Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. One day, a preacher in West Texas went to buy a horse. He owned a very large ranch and thought, hey, this would be a good addition to his family. So the man went to the so he went to a man's house who was selling the horse and the owner took the preacher out back and there he saw a beautiful Arabian stallion. The owner instructed the preacher that this horse was in fact a Christian. He had been around a lot of Christians. The horse had even listened to worship music. This horse was a Christian. The problem is, he tells the preachers, he doesn't respond to the normal commands. You know the normal commands, right? Giddy up. You get on a horse and giddy up. Or whoa, right? Whoa, when he wants the horse to stop. Doesn't He's a Christian horse. He's a born-again, <laughs> spirit-filled horse. The preacher looked a little, huh, are you sure? Can a horse be? Okay, 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 whatever. As the preacher was leaving with the horse, the man reminded him, remember, it's not giddy up or woe, it's actually if you want this horse to stop, you need to yell, amen. Well, what if I want him to go? Do I say giddy up? No, 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 no. You say, praise the Lord. That's weird. That's weird. Well, the preacher bought the horse and took it home. And one day the preacher decided, I need to take the horse out for a ride. This is good. So the man was riding home and the horse suddenly saw a rattlesnake crossing the path. Well, frightened, he reared and he bolted and he was heading straight off a cliff. And, the, and, and all of a sudden, he's like, ah. And so the preacher starts yelling, whoa, whoa. But the horse wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. He's getting closer. Whoa, whoa, you. And he was saying whatever to the horse. And then he remembers, and he goes, amen. And the horse suddenly stops right before the edge of the cliff. And he can look down. And then the preacher raised his hands to the sky and said, Praise the Lord! (laughs) So what does this funny story have to do with our study today? Almost nothing. I told you this story to lighten the text. You go, why, Ben? You see, the verses that we have to deal with today are very weighty and very sobering. But before we jump into our text, let me remind you where we left off. Today is a continuation of what we learned last week. Remember last week, the Lord stepped on a lot of toes, if you recall. Okay? The Lord stepped on a lot of toes. Hence, for the title today, Eight Woes, Watch Your Toes. Now, let me tell you what, the fact that you came back today was really good. Because last week it was like, ouch, ouch. I had so many people tell me on the way out, boy, that stepped on my toes, Pastor. That really, God, I was really convicted, Pastor. And I said, well, it's only going to get worse from here. But let me bring you up to speed. 
Jesus begins chapter 23 with the teaching on hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Now, what he does is, okay, so he's literally going to Passover. There's about four to three days left before he's going to be crucified. And what you would do in Passover is you take your lamb to the priest, and they would examine him for four days before they killed the Passover lamb. That was their custom. Well, they've been examining Jesus, our Passover lamb, for the last four days. But Jesus is, is, is making a bold statement. You remember, he literally, last week, calls out the Pharisees. Now, what you need to remember is the Pharisees were good when they first started. But at this time, they are not good. They're in the flesh. They're religious. They're... He also calls out the scribes. He calls out the Herodians. As well as, do you remember that last group? The Sadducees. Because the sad, you see, is they went away sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But he calls them out. You go, Ben, that was corny. It was, but you'll remember it. Watch, you're going to say it uh, tomorrow at work. You know why the Sadducees were sad? They were sad, you see. Anyways, church, do you remember? Do you remember what the issue was? You go, I think so. Remind me. They were telling people how to live, but they themselves were not living like that at all. That was the problem. Do as I say, not as I do. This was the problem. And if you're taking notes, I want to jog your memory back to um, Matthew 16. Because Jesus taught us and his disciples, he's telling them in Matthew 16, verse 12. He says, then they understood, this is disciples, that he didn't tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread. They're thinking bread or leaven, but of the doctrine or the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus had been warning, saying, beware. They're not teaching you right. They want you to do one thing, but they're living completely different. The problem is, is you all have eyes, and you're seeing, and it's a big difference. It's a big difference. They're telling you, do as I say, but don't look at my life. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Jesus was warning the disciples to beware of the hypocritical teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, here's what we learned. You ready? Let me remind you what we learned. As believers, we must never live a double life. In other words, saying one thing, but living a whole different way. That's what we learned. That's what we have to take to heart. That's what we learned. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an example. It's like when we're on our way to church. Ever been on your way to church and you get in a fight with your wife? You get in a fight with your husband? I can't believe you You left your socks on the floor. And then you walk in the door like, hey, praise God, how are you? It's all wonderful. Oh, no, praise the Lord. And then the moment you leave, I can't believe you. That's, that's a hypocrite. This is what we, we, we don't want to do that. Now, I'm not saying come in here and yell at the pastor. Because you've been yelling at your wife for the last 10 minutes. But what I'm saying, guys, is, Be careful that you're not one way at church or in front of people, and when you get home, you are a complete grump and you're cynical towards others. Be careful. It's not that 
Pastor Ben or Calvary Chapel is trying to tell me what to do or what not to do. But the world is watching our lives. And Jesus said that we have to love our neighbor and our closest neighbor, those we live with, and they're going to see really right in us. And if we go home and we're a grump and then we come to church and we act a different way, then we're a hypocrite, aren't we? We learned, guys, that, that, that Jesus sees that, and he says, please don't be like the Pharisees. What a great application that is for us. Our goal is to imitate Christ. That's the goal. Guys, when we wake up in the morning, we should say, Lord, I want to be more like you. Teach me to be like you, Lord. Now, what we need to understand is he's not asking us to live perfectly because there's no such thing. Okay? But he's telling us to live what you believe. Live what you believe. If you believe in the compassionate, loving, merciful, wonderful God that you serve, then live like that. If you believe that you deserve or you, you, you want and need forgiveness, then offer forgiveness. If you're holding on to the grace of God, then offer the grace of God to other people. Now, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. Oh, Lord, I just want your grace, and I love your mercy. And then somebody does something to us, and we're like this. And we don't extend that. But, but God is telling us, church, listen, God is telling us to live what we believe. Now, we also learned a second lesson. Do you remember that? The second lesson was to be careful on spiritual pride. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herodians, they all walked around like they were something special. And they all thought they were spiritual. And here's what we learned. Spiritual pride is what happens when we believe we've got God, the Bible, and Christians, the Christian life all figured out. Hey, I've got this. I've heard people tell me from time to time, hey, no, 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 don't worry about me, Ben. Me and God, we've got a special relationship. It's not one like the Bible. I've got it worked out with him. Are you kidding me? I'm worried about you. Spiritual pride is when we walk around going, yep, yeah, I got this. I don't know. Yeah, not, not a, and, and we think we're something. And we learn, be careful. Because spiritual pride, listen to me, church, makes us feel superior to others. And we often look down at people going, well, look at him. I'm not, I'm better than him. I, we should never feel that way. We're all part of the body. Listen to me. Listen to me. As messed up a family as we are, come on somebody, we're still family. And we should have each other's back. Yeah, but they're not acting right. Neither were you at one point. Neither were you at some times. Think about it. But spiritual pride also leads, it often leads us to criticism and defensiveness, and self-focus. Got to be careful. Well, (laughs) welcome to Calvary. Because today, Jesus continues with what seems to be a very sober and serious rebuke on the religious guys. What did they? They became hypocrites. They became hypocrites. Now, let let me give you this, okay? Once again, here's a hypocrite. Hypocritos, one who puts on a mask and poses himself to be different, 
uh, to pose himself to be what he's not to be. But let me give you the Hebrew. It's rendered here. It rather means godless or profane. The New Testament times was more negative. It suggested someone as untrustworthy. Now, let me say this. The other day, several several months back, I had walked into Home Depot and I was looking for some stuff and I saw this I saw this mannequin and I took a picture. I want to show you the picture. I mean, she's going to put it up now. This really is the definition of hypocritos. Do you see that? I looked at it and I thought that's exactly what it is. You're putting on a mask. I want you to look at that. Look at that. This was literally there at, oh, it's kind of creepy, isn't it? But that's a hypocrite. That's a hypocrite. Look, he puts on the mask and nobody sees his true colors. You guys with me? You ever see that? You're like, wow, I know. That's the definition of a hypocrite. Now, Jesus is going to speak to us. This is the first of eight woes. Here's what I'm telling you, church. Watch your toes. Watch your toes. Why do they say that? Because sometimes we get stepped on. You go, well, what's the proper response? The proper response is say, Lord, heal me. Forgive me. If any of these woes are on there. So picking it up, guys, when Jesus says, woe, I want you to write this down. It's an intense hardship or distress. He's not saying, whoa, like, like the horse, right? He's saying, sorrow awaits. Everybody say that with me. Sorrow awaits. One more time. You got it. This is what he's saying. That's what woe means, okay? So let's look at verse 13 as Jesus continues. He says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, in your mind, you're going to think of that picture, okay? You're going to think of that picture, exactly. This is what Jesus is saying. Here's the thing. If that picture, if the guy would have put on his mask, nobody would see. But Jesus sees the inside. We can't. We we can fool each other, can't we? We can fool each other. How you doing, brother? How are you? Good. Praise God. Amen. Jesus sees our heart. He sees the inside. And so Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he looks at the scribes and he says, "Hypocrites! Why? For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men." For neither neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So this trips people out. Can you imagine be part of the group? And Jesus turns and he goes, I mean, this is, this is meek and mild, sweet, loving Jesus. Are you kidding me? Why would he say that? Because my Jesus knows the consequences of being a hypocrite and how deep that goes down. That bell was perfect timing, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like, ding, you're right on point, Ben. Okay, I'll keep going, Lord. But notice, notice with me. I want you to notice what Jesus is saying. What sorrow awaits you, hypocrites? He says, your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter and you will not let anyone else in. Guys, think about what he's saying. They're teaching, do as I say, not as I do. They claim to be men who pointed people to the Father, but they live like there was no God. They live like there was no God. Do you want to know what the term is today? Jot this down if you're taking note. They're called Christian atheists. Christian atheists. You go, Ben, that's funny. What does that mean? 
It's people who claim that they're Christians but live like there is no God. That's a Christian atheist. Yeah, man, praise the Lord. How you doing, bro? Praise God. But they live like there is no God. That's what he's talking about. But what are they doing? Well, they, they're preventing others from entering the kingdom because of their false, burdensome teachings about the law. This is what Jesus is calling out. And I love the way God is so classic because I was thinking about the text and then somebody put this on and I thought I'd share it. I stole it from Facebook, but it's a quote from Shane Pruitt. And I don't know who Shane Pruitt is, but listen to this quote. A Christianity that gets you into heaven while allowing you to continue living however you want on earth is a Christianity foreign to the New Testament. Why? He says, the gospel changes you then it also changes what you do, end quote. I thought that was a great quote. That was a great quote. A Christianity gets you in heaven while allowing you to do whatever you want to do. That's not a Christianity of Scripture. Because the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ changes how you think, changes how you behave, changes what you say. Everything is changed. This is the gospel. Jesus just told these guys what sorrow awaits them. They're not to pay attention. But then he moves on to the second woe. I think after the first woe, I probably would have left. I didn't want to hear this, Lord. But he says, no, no, no. I've got your attention. Notice what he says in verse 14. This is the second woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Okay, picture the, you got the picture in your mind? What are they doing now? For you devour widows' houses and for a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive a greater condemnation. What? Well, because we're a Bible-teaching church, here's what I want you to see. Some of your Bibles are not going to have verse 14. They'll have it in Matthew, but in other translations, you might not have this. You're like, really? It, it, it is recorded here in Matthew. It's recorded in Mark chapter 12, verse 40, and it's also recorded in Luke 20, 47. But here's the thing. Here's what they're doing. Guys, instead of mourning over their own sins and mourning over or mourning with the needy widows, the Pharisees took advantage of people in order to rob them. That's what they did. They used their religion as a cloak of covetousness. That trips me out. Why? Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a widow and the pastoral team comes over to your house? And we come in and we say, we're so sorry you of your loss. I know that so-and-so meant so much to you. We're married for 40 years. By the way, how much money did he leave you? Oh, the reason I ask is because I know, we'll call him Jack, I hope there's no Jack. Well, because Jack often told me how he wanted to bless the church. And I know that he was, he was thinking about making a large donation to the church. Right? Isn't that right, Pastor? Yes, that's right. 
Well, the widow is, is in a state of, of just mourning, in a state of shock. And so what she's doing is she's like, really? I just want to honor how much. He left me 40 million. Really? Well, I think that's exactly the amount he was going to give to the church. We might even name the new sanctuary over, we'll name the sanctuary or the, the new playground Jack's Place. Isn't that sad? But that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're using that, guys. They're, they're use their position as jurist and, and adjust the claims against the wealthy widows. But see, they're taking advantage of their helpless condition because they knew they were widows. The problem is it wasn't only the wealthy, but also the poor widows as well. And then, not only that, but then these guys were making long prayers so people would take notice. Now, I find that interesting in light of our second Sunday prayer meeting. Nobody's going to come in here tonight and pray very long. Pastor said, we just, Lord, I thank you, amen. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is they used to stand up and they used to draw attention with their long prayers and probably their eloquent prayers. And they would be like, God, I thank thee. I mean, and, 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 and it's so funny because it blows me away how people pray differently than they talk. Oh, Lord God, I thank thee for... And, and, and they do all of this stuff. And I'm going, is that how you order your, your meal at McDonald's? And I will take a Big Mac. And that's not how we talk. And so I say, when you talk to God, just talk to him like you normally would. And just share your heart. And sometimes when we pray, you'll, you'll pray a prayer and then something will come to mind and you can pray again. That's okay. But these guys, these guys made long prayers so people go, wow, they're really spiritual. They're really holy. Jesus says, no, 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 guys, listen to me. You're going to have a worse punishment. You're going to have a worse punishment. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. There are many, many popular TV preachers these days that do the same thing. You've heard them. You've heard them. They're taking advantage of wealthy widows as well as poor widows. And they'll tell you, if you send in your tithe, send in your deed to your home, whatever you need, send in your savings, that God is going to bless you a hundredfold. You know what I say, hogwash. That's not right to take advantage. The, the Bible is really clear. If you're a widow in here, your family should take care of you. And if your family can't take care of you, then the church needs to take care of you. That's biblical. Listen, God doesn't work. I, I've never seen God work that way. Well, if I give $100, he's going to give me 1000 God doesn't work that way. Why? Because, because we're just giving to get. But you know what? We give to God because we love him. Amen. That's why we give. We've realized somewhere that it's not our money, it's his money. And you've heard pastors that go, listen, church, if you don't give, God's going to take it somehow. And then you get a flat tire on your way home. God, I should have given to church. God took my fight. That's not how God works either. That's not how God works. God says, listen, here, here's how tithing and offering works, guys. You love him. 
You love him. Now, let me ask you a question. Honestly, does God need our money? Does God need our money? Okay. Giving, whether it's money, time, or service, here's what it does. It often shows our hearts. It often shows our hearts. The person who says, well, I'm going to clean the church, but I want people to notice me. Did you notice I swept? Pastor! It shows our hearts, doesn't it? This, guys, this is why, honestly, honestly, if I can be, if we can be truthful in church, this is why we don't, we, we don't have a big old, hey, we're going to put buckets in the front of the church and you're going to come up and people are going to see you wave your, we don't. Put it in the box. Give it to God. Put it in the box. If you don't trust God, don't put it in the box. If you don't trust God, that's okay. God doesn't need your money. But I've seen you move so, I've seen him move so amazing. Every single week, every single week, every single week. I've seen him. And you do it because we love him. And here's what I want to say. There should be no disconnect between our wallets and our hearts. There should be no disconnect. Serving. Let me say that first, serving and giving because we love Jesus. That's all. Why do you serve? Love God. Why do you give? Love God. Well, are you going to get money back? I don't know. I don't know. Does it matter? No, I have enough. Do we not have enough? Do we not have enough? We have enough. We may not have all we want, but we have enough. Come on now. Come on, church. Gas prices went up. We're still here. We're still here. God's, God's got us. God's got us. Oh, well, pastor, I've had to cut back. Yeah, we've had to cut back on stuff. But God's still got us, doesn't he? He's still got us. So giving in. And so, church, let's do a heart check. Let's do a heart check right now just to make sure. Lord, where am I? Where am I? Well, if I give to God, then I won't have any. Do a heart check. No hard check. Well, I visited the church and all he talked about was money. No, we're not even talking about it. We're going we're gonna to say goodbye to money right now because we're moving to the third world. Watch your toes. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. Lord, he said hell. He's pretty mad. What's he saying? Put on your thinking caps here. I want to show you something, guys. The Pharisees were actually missionaries. You're like, no. No, 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 they were. Think about this. They would travel around to tell people about God. And we never think of the missionaries as, as or never think of the Pharisees as missionaries. But the problem was, is when they won one person to Judaism, they made him twice the son of hell as them. You see, the problem was the religious system made people worse than they were better. Heart check time, church. Heart check. We need to make sure our Christianity is not making people worse because we're putting burdens on them that we're not even doing. You see, a religious system will always do that, but a relationship with Lord, with the Lord, 
Are you guys tracking with me? Think about this. Think about this. I don't know how true it is. I don't know how true it is. But there's a buzz going around the internet that the that one of the uh, priests of Satan in the Church of Satan repented and is now a Christian. Okay? Don't know how true it is. Don't know how true. I, you never know anymore. But if it's true, the reason he left Satanism and became a Christian is because Christians were loving him despite his love for Satan. And I saw... I saw someone posted on Facebook the other day, and it said, um, Christianity is about loving Jesus. Christianity is about loving Judas. Let that sink in. Say, we love Jesus, but what, but what we need to do is we need to love Judas. We need to love those that are unlovable. That's Christianity. Christianity, these guys are going, no, 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 no. We're going to go far and ride. You see, the problem that we have in the, in the church of God today, guys, not, not Calvary, the big wall, all of us, is we do the same thing. You go, what do you mean? We win people to the Lord, and then we put on all kinds of burdens on them. When I was 17 and I had gotten saved... You wouldn't believe this, but I had hair down to here. Okay? I grew up in the 80s. It was all, it was all the glam bam. I mean, you understand, I had hair down to here, and I'm working in a grocery store, and I got saved. And the one thing I wanted to do, because everybody else was doing it, was to pierce my ear, right? And that's what I wanted to do. And then I got saved. And I remember a lady came up to me in the grocery store that I worked, and I'll never forget it. She goes, oh, now that you're a Christian, you need to cut your hair. Why? Well, Christians, see, the Bible, and she went to a passage where it said long hair was an abomination to the Lord. And I'm like, Man, I just got saved. I just got, I don't. And then I remember into the house that, that I remember getting saved at, and it's like, oh, no, you can't get your ear pierced. That's just wrong. And then I remember... See, a lot of people, we put on those burdens on people. Instead, here's what we need to do. We need to let the Lord clean the people up. He does a much better job. Let the Lord clean them up, right? Not us. Now, now listen, we can share. Hey, this is what God did to me. Hey, this is what we're, the word. But we let the Lord clean them up. Uh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay, do I have any fishermen in the building? Any fishermen? I have, come on, oh, fisherwoman, there you go, Rosa, woo! <laughs> Any other fishermen? Oh, Joe's a fisherman, not very many fishermen. All right, well, I'll use the illustration anyway. How many of you ever went fishing, Brother Joe, and when you caught the fish, it was already cleaned, ready for the frying pan? <laughs> it's not red lobster, don't count. <laughs> That's cheating, That's not fishing. Never have I once caught a fish that it was cleaned, ready to go. Never. Okay? What do fishes do usually? They fight you. They take the bait and they're like, oh, you're, and then we catch them and we do the rest and clean them and fillet them and all that stuff. The point is it's the same with Christianity. We let the Lord, we let the Lord clean us up. Let the Lord clean us up. <laughs> 
Now, the rest of the woes, guys, are they're giving examples of how perverted the religious values were. He's actually going to go deeper. Look at the fourth woe. It's a, it's a long one. He says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind. For which, <laughs> I'm sorry, can you imagine the Lord Jesus? He's just, he's... He's calling them hypocrites. He's calling them blind. He's calling them fools. But I know he loves them. I know he loves them. But he says, fools and blinds, for which is greater, the gold of the temple or the sacrifices of the gold? And whoever swears by the altar is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift on it is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar, swears by it, and by all things on it. Who who swears by the temple, swears by it, and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God, and by him who sits on it. If you're taking note, you can put here, this is the woe of oaths. This is the woe of taking oaths. He says, for you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple. He says, that is Binding to swear by the gold of the temple. He says, blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And he says, guys, you swear by the altar. And it's not binding. But swear to the gifts on the altar, and that's binding. He says, how blind are you? For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes it Sacred. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus is just coming. The Pharisees who knew the law better than all the rest of the Jews should have been teaching and instructing peoples in the ways of God. Instead, they've been caught up, listen, in ritual concerns of the law, unnecessary burdening the people with secondary matters. Jesus says, you're too blind. And he, he, he reminds us of Romans 2.19. He says, he, Paul uses the designation of guides of the blind for rabbis. They're the blind leading the blind. You go, well, Ben, what's the application for us? You ready? These men were interested in the golds and the gifts, but not the spiritual worship of the temple. They were interested in the secondary issues. And many Christians act the same way. They're interested in the church, but not the worship of God. Let that sink in for just a moment. There are so many people who attend church for the sake of church, but they're not interested in worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they're not interested in growing one iota, and that's a scary place to be. I'll never forget, one lady came to me and was telling me about a church that she used to attend. And the church that she used to attend, there was one lady who seemed to be doing every ministry that there ever was. And when confronted, this one lady told the other lady, I can't believe um, I'm going to get a greater mention than you because I'm doing this ministry and I'm doing this ministry and I'm doing this ministry and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm going to have a much bigger mention than you. And I would say, blind guides, blind and fools. 
Let me just say this to you, okay? Church, this church is about God. It's not about you. We will make this as comfortable and as, as welcoming and loving as we possibly can. But the central focus is the worship of Jesus. That's the central focus here. We don't have a bunch of programs. We don't have a bunch. We just, we just love, can we just love Jesus and worship him? That's, that's really what it's about, worshiping Jesus and loving him. That's what these men are not doing. They're busy on secondary issues. Well, let me go to the fifth woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Remember the picture. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, I can, I would just love to be there. Do you understand? I would just love to be there because he's not holding back any punches. He's not singing kumbaya. He's trying to get to the guy's heart. This is what they're doing. They pay tithe on all the little, little stuff. Jesus isn't holding back, and he tells them, what sorrow awaits you, teachers? You religious law. He says, for you careful, you are careful to tithe on the tiniest income of your herb gardens. But you actually ignore the, the greater aspects, the more, nas- more, more important aspects of the law. What is justice, mercy, and faith? He says, yes, yes, listen. He says, you should tithe. He says, but don't neglect the more important things. Guys, in your mind, you're already formulating what's going on. They're coming in and going... Look at this. Oh, here, here's my tithe. Oh, and, and here's my tithe of this. And oh, yeah, and I have a garden. Joe has a garden. I'm going to bring 10% to the pastor. There you go. Here's my tithe. But, but he's unmerciful and he's unloving and he's, and he's, and, and, and the more important aspect is mercy and faith. And let's even take it a step closer. How many people will put money in the box hoping that that's going to get them to heaven? And they'll write the check because God has blessed them and they'll drop it in the box, but they're still awful and ugly and unmerciful and have no faith. It's seemingly right that my Jesus criticizes these religious leaders for paying, for, for paying meticulous attention to tiny details while disregarding the law, the law's true heart. Listen what he says to them real quick. He says, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat. But you swallow a camel. Wow. I bet they're fuming, but the Lord doesn't stop six. Well, look at verse 25. He says, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. What's God saying? Really simple, guys. He says, you guys look good outwardly, but inwardly, you're full. They're full of themselves. Sarah, put that picture back up one more time. Look at what Jesus is saying. Look at that. This is exactly, on the outside, they have a beautiful smile. Nobody can see, blah, blah, blah. But inside, he's saying, look at this. He says, he says, guys, inside, you're full of extortion, self-indulgence. 
Would you please first clean the inside? And what he's telling us, church, today is we must clean the inside first, then the outside will come. Watch your toes. Watch your toes. You're probably saying, Pastor, you're stepping on my toes. Many people think being a Christian is looking good or behaving. But honestly, our good behavior comes from being cleansed on the inside. I heard a story of a Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas. And in Las Vegas, some of the, some of the dancers, you guys know what I'm talking about, got saved, came to church and got saved. And many people in the church were saying, Pastor, you, you need to go tell them. You need to go tell them to change their, I mean, they, they, and he goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And what happened is the word of God began to transform them from the inside out. And they realized, oh, oh, this is, okay, God told me. And it was far better than the pastors going, well, now that you're saved, you should probably put on some clothes or you dress here, don't work at the, don't work at the casinos anymore. He says, well, let the Holy Spirit do what he does best because that's the same thing that happened to us. It's the same thing. If we'll allow God to clean the inside of our hearts, the outside will follow, I promise. Now, I can't guarantee any of you will look any more better, better looking than you do right now. Okay? but you will look better because the inside will show outside. Wow. And that's the beauty that people are attracted to. It's the inside. Wow. Wow. That's the beauty. Why? Because all this is just going away. You understand that, right? Gravity is an enemy. Everything's falling down. You guys know what I'm talking about? I try to pull it back up. It still falls down. So, so these bodies, are, they're getting older. They're, getting, they're breaking down. They're getting tired. We used to hurt ourselves at 18 and 19 by playing basketball or football or soccer. Now we hurt ourselves rolling out of bed. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. Can you move? No. That's the truth. Our bodies are breaking down. What did you do? I just moved. What's the point? Guys, the point is, it's, it's, it, let the inside be cleansed. Let the inside be cleansed. Our behavior, the way we look, the way we act, our smiles, they come from, a, from being cleansed on the inside. And can I tell you, it's contagious. But I can also tell you that unbelievers don't like it, do they? Oh, stop smiling so much. Why are you always so happy? Let me give you the seventh woe. Verse 27. Woe. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outward, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of what? hypocrisy and lawlessness. Again, the same, again, this is the same thought process. You know what Jesus calls them? He calls them whitewashed tombs. He says, man, you're very pretty on the outside, but deep in the earth, you're full of dead men's bones. You know what dead men's bones is? Uncleanness. Uncleanness. 
Can you imagine? He just called the religious and the lawyers, he called them hypocrites, and he said, look, you look like a beautiful graveyard, but you're all full of dead. You all are dead inside. You all are dead inside. Now, again, I don't think my Jesus was being harsh in the way that we would, yeah, get him, Jesus. But I, I know he loves them enough to get them to think, where am I? Where am I with you, Lord? What's wrong? And, and that's what he gets us. And this is why Matthew wrote this down. I don't think Matthew was going, ha, yeah, uh-huh. In your face, Pharisees. He wasn't doing that. He was just going, this is going to be applied to Calvary Chapel. Because we don't want to look good on the outside and be ugly on the inside. And sometimes that means repentance where we, where we break down and say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've been ugly. I've allowed. Now, remember, remember, how do we get ugly on the inside? It's about what we allow on the inside. It's what we allow in our eye gate. It's what we allow in our ear gate. It's what we allow in our hearts. Because what happens is that when we're squeezed, that's what's going to come out. What you've been allowing in your heart, church. I'm not saying that music is saved, okay? I don't think music is saved and it's not saved. We go, well, that's Christian music and that's not. But I know this. There's a difference between listening to those old tunes that you used to get drunk on and party on and all this stuff and, ah, it was good times. There's a big difference in in listening to the worship music as it begins to cleanse you. And you allow that in your heart. See, we don't listen to Christian music because we're Christians, but we know that there's power in music. And we don't listen to teachings because, well, the, we listen to teachings because, man, I want to learn more about God. And we don't have to come to church. We, don't, we get to come to church. We get to come. And one of the things that you don't realize is this is an audience participation. You go, how so? I'm not up there preaching. No, no, no. But see, God has gifted all of you, and then you come in and you intermingle and you're sharing your gift. And then, and then what we do is we get fed, we, we get fed by the word of God. And I never want the Lord to look at me and say, you're a whitewashed sepulcher, man. You're a whitewashed tomb. You look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. I don't want to be dead. I want to be clean on the inside. And you know what I would write at this point in my notes? I would say, I would say, Lord, show me my heart that I may repent. Show me my heart. Because we don't want to simply look righteous, but we need our hearts filled with you, God. Okay, eighth will. Last two verses. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. You know what they're saying? We would have never done that. Oh, no, not I. Listen to what Warren Wearsby writes. Quote, They had killed the prophets. They permitted John to be murdered. They would crucify Christ. They would imprison the apostles, slay Stephen, and fill up the measure when we sin, we write our own sentence of judgment, end quote. I like the way he says that. Why? Because think about what he said. He said, a lot of us think that, right? I've heard people say, well, if I was, if I was Adam, I would have never. If I was Adam, I would have booted Eve right out of the garden. No, you would have taken the same fruit. You would have. 
And that's what Jesus is going. He goes, you killed the prophets, guys. He says, he says, you built tombs of the prophets. You killed them. You killed John the Baptist. But you're acting like you didn't. What we need to remember as we close, what we need to remember, church, listen to me. As we, we need to be reminded of the simple truth of the gospel. You go, what's the gospel? You know the gospel. Think about this for just a moment. You've heard it a thousand times, but a thousand and one's not going to hurt. Jesus Christ, God's only son, came down from heaven 2,000 years ago. He walked this earth. He taught us. And in four days, he's going to go to the cross. Why does he go to the cross? He went to the cross to pay for our sins. And he's not coming in and he's not saying, I'm going to hit you over the head with the Bible. You need to do this. You need to do that. He's saying, listen, if you'll just, if you'll just open up your heart and invite me inside, I'm going to come in. I'm going to change you. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change all that's about you. And it's going to be for the good. Well, Lord, are you going to change my thinking? He's going to change your thinking because you're going to start thinking biblically now. You're going to start thinking spiritually. Well, Lord, am I going to make mistakes? You're going to make mistakes. We all do. But I love the fact that even if we make a mistake, he doesn't condemn us and, and make us sit in the corner. He says, come on, that's a, that's a good place to learn. Come on, get on up. He died on the cross. They buried him on the third day. He resurrected. One day we're going to resurrect too. If, you're, if the Lord seems to tarry, and some of you may not be here in 2023, I'll see you again. He's going to resurrect you. I believe that. But if the Lord says, okay, I've had enough, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the Lord. He's, he's, he's just about done with your mansion. He's just about done. He's, he's within days of finishing it. You understand that. And what happens when the, the, the addition to the father's house is complete, then the father says, go get your bride. We're that close. This is the final inspection. This is it. It's all done. There doesn't have to be any sheetrock. There's no major, there's no major, uh, everybody's done their work and it's, it's ready. That's how close we are. And he says, go get your bride. The question to you, are you ready? Because the gospel does change you. You're not the same. It moves you. You think differently. You act differently. You have a relationship with the God that created you. That's what's key. That's what's key. So in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've come here today and you go, Ben, I'm not even, I'm not even sure if I'm right with God. You were saying some things. I've got to be honest with you. I, feel, I really feel like I'm a million miles away from God. Well, maybe you're, you feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision from coming to him. Well, really, what do I have to do? And you just have to believe. Open up your heart. Invite him inside. Watch him do incredible work. Well, do I have to change? You don't have to change. God will change you. He'll do the work. But you, listen to me, you have to be willing to surrender your life to God. You have to say yes to him. You go, well, Ben, I've already said yes. And I say, amen. Well, what do I do if I already said yes? Just check your heart. Do a heart check. Say, Lord, where am I? I, I, I don't want to just look good on the outside. I, I may have some, I, I, I mean, I'm not full of dead men's bones, but I might have a bone or two inside. But I need to, I need to revive. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, Lord, that, that, Lord, that we're a church that teaches even the hard stuff. 
Lord, I don't think anyone here woke up this morning and said, Boy, I'm so excited to get my my toes stepped on. But you want us to grow and you want us to be more like you. But first and foremost, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would ask that, that Holy Spirit, that you would do your work. That you would convict the hearts of people that you want to bring to you. And I would just invite you here, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus or you're far from him and you're ready to come home, I want to give you an opportunity today to surrender your life to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God once and for all. I want to be right with him. I I surrender. Would you just lift up your hand so I can see you? Say, Pastor, pray for me. That's between you and God. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because God wants to see your heart. If you're not right with God, if your sins are not forgiven, and you want that forgiveness today, you want that special gift, and you're ready to stand for God, would you just lift up your hand right now so I can see it, please? No one else will see it. Only God will do it. Will you just do that real quick? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you, sir. God bless you. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else say yes to Jesus? Anyone else? If you're watching online, you can just lift up your hand. Just do this. God will see you. We're going to see so many people in heaven because of that. Father, I thank you for the hands that are raised and even those who are just even contemplating where they are with you. I pray, God, you would move mightily and show them how real you are. And I thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.